0: Today, happy Friday. My name is Ariana. I'm the public service programs manager at the BBA. I would like to introduce our panelists today. We're very grateful to have them. We have with us today, Marilyn Wellington, who's the executive director of the board of bar examiners. We have with us Barbara Bowe, who is a licensed social worker. She works at Lawyers Care for Lawyers. We have Candace Kukis, who is an assistant dean and the director of the bar admission program at Northeastern University. We also have with us Nikki Olivera. She's a senior associate at Nutter, McLennan and Fish. She specializes in trust and estates. We also have Carla Reeves, who's an associate who works at Gullstein and Stores. She specializes in employment and litigation. I will turn it over now to Marilyn and Barbara.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you everyone. And um, I wanna start by uh, just congratulating all of you for graduating from law school um, and beginning your the next steps towards your career in the law, which includes the bar exam and character and fitness approval. Um, it's a tough year to be graduating from law school, but we are all working hard to make it as uh, smooth the transition in these difficult times as possible. Um, You know, you have a lot on your plate right now, finding a job, preparing for the bar exam, figuring out what the bar exam is going to be this year and graduating from law school. Um, So I wanna spend just a couple of minutes kind of talking about what the plan is from here um, and what you can expect as far as communications and expectations moving forward um, to hopefully ease some of your stress. But I I wanna start by saying there there are a lot of factors that are up in the air right now. Um, We are trying very hard at the Board board of examiners to get to final decisions on things. Um, But as you all know, we're all living through this COVID-19 pandemic and that raises a lot of issues that we're just not able to come to firm decisions on at this point. But we are working hard to do everything that we can to make this um, a smoother transition for you. So let's talk a little bit about the plan for Massachusetts um, bar admissions for this year. Our first goal is to administer an in-person uniform bar exam on September 30th and October 1st. That's our goal. Um, we typically in Massachusetts have about 14 to 1500 people sit for that exam. That's a difficult um, exam to administer given the COVID-19 pandemic and social distancing requirements. Um, and, and all of the protections that we need, would need to put into place to make sure that when we, if we administer this exam, we're administering it in a way that protects your health and safety because our primary goal is the health and safety of you, the examinees, and of the staff and the, the special exam staff that we hire. So in, or, as we work towards that goal of administering that in-person exam, um, we are working with all of the law schools in Massachusetts to find to um, find seats. Uh, the law schools have your law schools have been very generous in working with us to provide seating at the law schools. Um, if you are take a graduate of a Massachusetts law school and we're able to administer it at your the exam at your school, we will have you sit at your school so that you have you're at least able to sit in an environment where you're comfortable and you're aware of the surroundings. Um, so that's very helpful. Um, We will have an administration site at the convention center, um, the Heinz Convention Center as well. Just so you understand what social distancing requires, we typically in the space we have at the Heinz Convention Center are able to administer an exam to about 1,450 people. That same space with required social distancing Brings that number down from 1,450 to 360. So you can see that we're struggling with these numbers, with trying to set up an exam that's safe. But we are working very hard to see, to do everything we can to reach that goal of administering an in person uniform bar exam. That said, if we get to the point where we do not see a safe path, towards administering that exam. And when I say a safe path, it's uh, looking at the guidance or getting the guidance from public health officials, from the governor's office, from the CDC, really looking at all the guidance. Um, If we are able to meet all requirements and provide an exam, we will. But if we can't, we do not want to stop you from having a path to admission in Massachusetts. We want you not to be delayed any further in your admission to Massachusetts. So should we not be able to administer an in-person bar exam because of this pandemic, we will administer a remote exam. The remote exam would not be a uniform bar exam. It's um, a much shorter exam. It would only allow for admission to the bar in Massachusetts. It would be administered on October 5th and October 6th. It would be approximately half of the length of a typical uniform bar exam. It would be 100 multiple choice questions, an MPT question and three essay questions. Um, And it would would only allow you um, admission to Massachusetts. It's not perfect, we'd rather give you a UBE so you have that portable score that you can take to other jurisdictions, to the 36 other jurisdictions who administer the UBE and have a lot more portability and flexibility. But if we can't give that exam, we want you to have this other exams because we'd love to have you be admitted to the Massachusetts bar without delay. Either way, is a new um, either way, whichever exam that we end up administering, we will still have a expedited schedule for grading. Um, results of those either exam will be released by the second week in December, so that you can be admitted in early January. So we're working very hard to a limit the, or minimize any delays that you would have in admission. Because again, we understand the impact on this on your job prospects, the impact of this on all your personal life, everything. I know we know with all of this affects everything in your life and we are trying to minimize any um, issues with that. So I say all of that, um, we will make an announcement on which exam we will administer by the first week in August. Um, I know that is after the application deadline, but we want to make that announcement at a late enough point where we're sure um, of what the answers are to those questions as to which exam we can administer. So we will make that announcement at that point. Um, As you know, if you are right now someone who is in priority one seating for our exam, meaning that you are a graduate of Massachusetts Law School taking the exam for either your first time or your second time, you have until June 24th to submit your application for admission, admission, your petition to sit for the exam in Massachusetts. So I hope that many people on this call are submitting that exam. One of the questions I've been getting consistently is whether we will have enough seats to seat people beyond priority one, beyond that first group. Um, I don't know the answer to that yet. We're working very hard with the law schools. As I said, the law schools are being extremely generous and providing us with as many seats as possible. But in the end, the answer is gonna be based on how many seats we have and how many applicants that we have. If you are in priority one, a graduate of a Massachusetts law school taking the exam for your first or second time, and we give an in-person exam, you are guaranteed a seat for that exam. Everyone in that category is guaranteed a seat for the exam. So I hope that that answers. some of your questions as, as to what's going on. Um, we do work very hard to try to communicate this information to you. As updates come up, um, we post everything on our website. It's also on the website of the Clerk for Suffolk County for the Supreme Judicial Court. It's also on our Facebook page. We post everything immediately immediately there. And we also notify each of the Massachusetts law schools so that they can send information out to all of you. So. Um, I hope people will watch those sites to get the updated information as it comes out. And also our office is fully staffed. So I hope if you have questions, concerns, um, thoughts about this, you're not sure you understand where we are in the process, call our office, you will get a live person, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 4.30, and we will answer your questions. We're really working hard. I know it's a difficult time. Um, Everybody here at the BBE is focused on Reducing your stress by giving you the information that we can. So please call the office. Um, No question is a stupid question. Every question is a valuable question. So please um, Call us um, and ask the questions that you need to you know and as we think about this I just want to raise a couple of uh, thoughts or help help you to understand our thought process as we decide which exam to go through to administer Um, You know Again, your health, your safety is our priority. We hope that we'll be able to administer this exam, but we're all seeing what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic around the country, where some states are seeing surges again. Um, We are hoping that that doesn't happen, um, and we're able to administer this exam. And if we are able to administer this exam, it's going to be a very different experience for you. Um, There will be masks required. There will be, limitations in how people can gather. There will be all all sorts of limitations that will make your exam experience a little different than what you may have expected before, but every um, process, procedure, policy we put in place is, is in place in order to protect your health and safety, to make sure that you're able to take the exam in an environment that allows you to do to really show us what you know to really succeed on that exam and in an environment that at the same time protects your health and safety. Um, That's one of the reasons we've decided that if your school is able to offer seating, we will put you at your own school, because that is hopefully is an environment that allows you to succeed a little bit, to have a better chance of success because it's an environment that you're comfortable in. So we're thinking of these things, we're thinking of you. Um, We would love nothing more than to give a uniform bar exam and see the highest pass rate we've ever seen. Um, We'd love to see a fantastic pass rate. So after all of the struggle that you have gone through this spring, in the end, you get admitted to the bar. So that's our goal. I hope it is your goal um, as well. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to Barbara to talk a little bit more kind of about the stress but I do want of, of preparing for this but I also want to um, just mention one thing and many of you if you've seen me at your law schools have probably heard me say this um, the exam the bar exam is a marathon the bar exam is not this is not a law school exam It's a marathon and it's going to be a longer marathon for you because you've got a bit more time to study. But you need to study as if it's a marathon. You need to prepare yourself. The stress that you're experiencing because of everything that's going on in the world right now is stress that we are all experiencing. You need to take care of yourself because you're preparing to run a big marathon at the end of September. And you need to have the knowledge, the understanding, but you also need to walk into that exam room, whenever it is, wherever it is, healthy and rested and ready really to complete that marathon. So use this extra time that you have to make sure that you're really ready for that marathon um, at the end of the day. It's really, critically important. Your health and preparing for the exam is just as important is the knowledge that you bring to the exam. So with that, I'm going to um, turn it over to Barbara. Marilyn, thank
2: you. I want to thank Ariana, and I want to thank the BBA for inviting me on the panel today. So my name is Barbara Bowe, and I'm a licensed independent clinical social worker at LICSW. I've been at LCL since 1996. Um, And I'm there three-quarter time, and I have a private practice where I see folks for longer-term therapy engagements in Brooklyn and Coolidge Corner. And I have been sort of um, identified as the law school liaison person for a number of years. Um, I work with all the nine law schools in Massachusetts. I have relationships with the dean's Students. Um, I do some consultation from um, the career service part of the law school and also Um, do consultation with if law schools have it their mental health services. I've seen a number of law students over the years um, who come in with angst and concern about preparation for the bar exam
3: and as Marilyn
2: said this year is like no other in terms of the difficulties in terms of adjustment and transition and getting ready to sit for the bar of any year to date in terms of my tenure at LCL. So Lawyer's Concern for Lawyers is located over at 31 Milk Street, downtown Boston. Um, We're very close to the BBA. And we are um, a staff of three clinicians, myself and two psychologists who I work with. And we're able to see people online in terms of Zoom meetings or Skype meetings or telephone consultations. And hopefully sometime within the near future, we might even be able to see people in person, which would be a real treat these days. Um, So we provide a lot of consultation and referral. We see folks for some brief, short-term treatment engagements. And we also run a number of different groups, which reminds me that I should tell you that on Mondays at two o'clock, I have a Zoom meeting that I run for law students. And certainly, given what folks have going on this summer, you should feel welcome to go on the LCL website and sign up for that and attend that meeting. I I think you'll find it really helpful. The people who do attend it find that it's really helpful in terms of navigating and negotiating the trials and tribulations that they're dealing with post-school, either as 1Ls, 2, or 3Ls. So some of the things um, that I think, from, an, from the LCL standpoint, we can really be helpful to students about are, are how to deal with the uncertainty when you're feeling that based on your law school experience and, and having to do like your last school semester basically online, that things feel kind of incomplete. Things feel as if they, they haven't really been finished up in a significant number of ways. And that level of either uncertainty or incompleteness sometimes makes people feel as if they haven't actually accomplished all that they wanted to accomplish. Uh, Students present with concerns about um, money concerns, work concerns, um, whether the job offer that they originally thought they had is going to stick and be um, again offered and open to them post the bar. Um, And there's a certain kind of um, sense of lack of motivation based on the rigors of law school life, the fact that students had to go online for their last semester, and the fact that on some level, there is a sense of a loss of a certain focus and discipline. And even intellectually, though, people know, as Marilyn said, the bar exam is a huge undertaking People are sort of concerned about what they experience and feel is a lack of motivation, which I have to say is not uncommon or weird or unusual given the set of circumstances. Um, but I think as law students, people tend to be sort of harsh judges about where they're at in the scheme of things. Um, and, the, and the fact that for some students, depending on their living situation, they feel that things are a little bit hectic, maybe a little chaotic and sort of unstable. So if folks wind up um, being back at home and home is filled with a lot of activity and demands and not a lot of quiet places, they feel really pulled and somewhat compromised and then feel sometimes guilty because they feel like that because they're at home. Or sometimes they find, um, students have said this to me that, If they are at home depending on where home is that their parents who are also home are constantly interrupting their study schedule to bring them coffee and cookies and food and check in with them (laughs) and and they find it hard to maintain concentration and and then and then on top of that folks are concerned about um you know bringing the virus home so if they have have they have Um, older parents or they have maybe elderly relatives in the house, they're concerned about um, leaving the house and being exposed in some way and then coming home. And and, and for some students, and I think Marilyn will speak to this, they're concerned about um, good, you know, physical distancing based on the exam and some concerns they might have about um, being exposed for the exam based on the fact that they have folks at home that have autoimmune issues and a variety of other medical problems. And sometimes based on the fact that folks are stuck at home, and even though they can Zoom and they can Skype with friends and families or Facebook, they feel like their social fabric has been really sort of torn and frayed um, and and are finding it hard to, um, you know, to finding it hard to not be in some physical proximity to their peeps um, and people who they rely on for support um, and consultation or consolation based on what's going on. So issues around um, some, some struggles around lack of control about what they typically would do in terms of how they manage their lives, how they engage in terms of social supports um, and how they manage their own stress levels all come into play in terms of this time. And, and I think it's important to, to realize that when you're, when you're stuck um, between a rock and a hard place, it's really important to learn how to ask for help. And I think that from, a, from the law student perspective, that can be a struggle point for some students about thinking that number one, asking for help is legitimate, asking for help is their right, and asking for help is sort of what they're entitled to. And and I always say this when I talk to law students that this is such an important thing to learn how to do now because it can only um, help you later in whatever practice area you wind up in. And I'm sure we're gonna hear from Carla and Nikki about how the ability to access help has really set their career on a very different path. So feel free to call LCL or email um, and ask for, ask for myself or one of the other clinicians in the office, and we can set up a meeting either telephonically or Zoom or whatever to help you navigate these really challenging times. Thanks. Candice, you're up.
4: Ariana, do you want to say anything first?
0: Go ahead, Candice. You go, and then I will speak for a minute.
4: Okay, awesome. Hi, everybody. Welcome. I know this is exactly what you wanted to do on a Friday afternoon, um, but we're happy you're here. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about what you can expect from the program and talk about maybe some suggested study schedules and um, just where, where are we all at here on June 12th. Um, especially when we're looking at an exam at the end of September. So the goals of the program are, these mentors are not your replacement for your bar review courses. They are not a replacement for your support at your law schools um, or for your career services offices, but they're here to coach you and to guide you as to maybe what worked for them. But remember, it may not necessarily work for you, but what worked for them, but what are some tried and true um habits that you can have while you're studying for the bar exam what are some resources that they may have access to or be aware of that they can help facilitate for you so utilize these mentors we met with the mentors already and we talked with them so utilize these mentors as sort of your guides and your coaches Okay, talk to them about what's going on in your life. Um, as Barbara mentioned, are you back home or are you sharing um, you know, a bedroom with one of your roommates because maybe you had to move out of one apartment and you're in a different apartment and you, know, you can only study in your bedroom. Um, use your guide as, or, or your mentor or, or coach or however you wanna um, phrase their, their role, but utilize them to figure out how you can best study. What is the best study environment? What is the best study plan? What works for you? Because we are so delayed, many of you are having to work and you're working now. Um, Well, I know some of the bar review courses already started and they're doing two days a week or they're doing a couple days a week. Um, And then what are you supposed to do elsewise? Are you supposed to do some additional studying? Are you not supposed to do additional studying? How are you supposed to guide yourself through this? Um, You know, when we took the bar exam, we crammed it in in two months and we were miserable and we talked about how awful it was because all we had to do was study from nine until seven every day. And it was six days a week in June and seven days a week in July. And then we all collapsed August 1st. As Marilyn pointed out, it's a marathon. So I'm I'm gonna be the positive one here. I'm gonna be, you know, the one who's gonna say, there is a silver lining. We never had a chance to really memorize. Utilize this time. It's awesome. Utilize this time. So, I know one of the bar review courses, for example, had torts last week. And those were the only substantive lectures they had last week. And then this week they had contracts. So, what you can do is manage your study schedule and maybe sc- study, you know, depending on your work schedule, uh, two to three days a week or three to four days a week, and use the extra day. So, if you study for three days, use the fourth day to go back and look at your week do some memorization. We talked to the coaches yesterday about this and they are ready to help you formulate your study schedule. Some of you may be um, not working at all because your jobs have been postponed or because you haven't been able to find one yet. Um, I would say, you know, probably study three days a week, maybe four days a week. Um, And by days, six to eight hours um, but find something else to do as well. I know it's a beautiful day and we all want to run outside now, um, but we get to wear our masks when we run outside, and it's not quite as enjoyable, but find something. As places are opening up, there may be volunteer opportunities for you. Um, there may be chances for you if you're already 303 certified to do some volunteer work at, for folks who have some indigencies and need some additional assistance. Um, but that also, don't let that overwhelm you. But that may allow you to just start thinking about other things, too, and help with your anxiety as you're going through this process. Now, some of you are working full-time right now, and you're like, are you kidding me, Candace? I don't have time to study four days a week. Are you nuts? Okay. So how about two nights and maybe one and a half weekend days? Can you fit that in? Remember, all of your bar review courses, the the general bar review courses, Barbary, Kaplan, and Themis, they all already have um, all of the programs pre-recorded. So you don't have to wait. Some of them I know are going live, live, the live online um, in mid-July. You don't necessarily have to wait for that. You can start your process now. I know I have told all of my students to start now, um, because it does give us that great opportunity to do extra practice, to look at those performance tests that I know you're all going to not want to look at um, because they take an hour and a half. You feel you should be doing MBE questions instead because the MBE is 50% of your score. Um, But I would implore upon you, look at those MPTs. They're 20% of your score and you need no outside legal knowledge. You've written memos in school. You've written briefs in school. You know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So practice with them often. All of your bar review courses have the MPTs. They have the released ones. If they're not all readily available in a book or online, ask them for it. Okay. Um, there's also a number of free resources on the NCBE website that you can utilize. If you go into study aids, there are free MPR excuse me, MPRE, you're done with the MPRE, um, MPT and MEE questions. Okay. Utilize these folks to help find the other resources. So there is someone like me at every law school in Massachusetts. You all have access to some type of academic support and bar person. Reach out to that person if you don't know them yet. Figure out what they're doing for summer workshops and ask your coach to help you manage that time Sometimes when we're in the weeds and we're really just thinking about, all I have to do is do contracts today, tomorrow it's family law, and then I have wills, and then I have trust, and you're really just thinking along those lines, you sometimes forget that there are other opportunities. And the coaches have been asked to think of those things, to think of ways that they can help you find additional resources. Okay, so set up a study schedule. I'm a fan of going online and printing out just an actual calendar. I'm the crazy one that lives with a date book because even though we all have our phones, I need to see it physically. I need to be able to erase. I need to be able to check it off. That's just me. But it might help you to say, okay, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I'm gonna do some studying. On Tuesdays and Fridays, I have family obligations or I have other responsibilities. And then as your summer progresses, you will have to pick up some more time studying. So as you know, September will be crazy. Um, you'll be studying and if you're working as well, we're, hopefully you'll able to pull back a little bit on work. Um, but think about that schedule and manage it now so that you can have success at the end of September. Okay, so there is a silver lining. You have four months, about four months to prepare for this test and that's awesome. So take advantage of that as best you can. So once you have your study schedule and you're thinking about making sure you're doing a lot of practice, I know it's easy to do outlining and it's comfortable because that's how we studied for law school exams. Remember to do a lot of practice questions. Think realistically, maybe two more points and I promise I'll stop talking. Think realistically, okay? How much can you study? Do you have children at home? I know camps have been canceled. They're slowly coming back. Daycares are slowly coming back. Your spouse may work at a hospital. I know mine does. I don't, my spouse still goes to work every day. So think about what works in your life and how can you best fit that in? All of your bar review companies have their full schedules listed and you can manage those by saying, okay, I can do this here and this component. I can put that on next Tuesday and then that next Thursday. Try and, and manage that and utilize your coach, okay? If you over schedule yourself, it's going to have repercussions that you're not going to be aware of. So if you say, okay, I have two children at home, I have to take care of the dog, I have to go take care of my mother, whatever else it might be, but I can still study 40 hours a week. Well, and you're working, that might be a challenge. And so then you get a little bit behind. And then you start feeling bad about yourself. And then you get more behind. And then you start feeling worse about yourself. You see that snowball occur. Okay, so be realistic. Please also be realistic with how you're scoring. So most of your bar review courses will grade your essays for you and your PTs and you can see what your percentages are in your multiple choice practice tests. Be realistic as you're grading your own essays. Don't be overly harsh on yourself. Look at the model answer that was written by an attorney, by the way, with the NCBE analysis in front of them. So they had the answer in advance okay but read over and try and gauge yourself did you hit the issue did you have a good rule statement okay some jurisdictions you'll see do release sample answers from students and you can get those massachusetts we don't i'll tell you that right now so you don't have to put it in the chat and ask marilyn Um, but online you can find some sample answers but all of your bar review courses provide answers Okay. Take them with a grain of salt and see how well you're doing. So be realistic as to where you need to be. And then you may need to adjust your schedule a little bit. This is another way you can use your coach. Your coach is here to help you sort of, you know, if if you're going down one path and you really need to shift a little bit. That's what these folks are here to help you with. Okay. I mentioned they're not tutors. Please, they are not experts in every area of law. They're not going to be able to tell you um, about the rule against perpetuities necessarily. We all forgot it as soon as the bar exam was over. I can tell you that, okay? But they may be able to guide you to somebody who can help you, okay? And I'm a huge fan. Barbara mentioned it a little bit, and I'm gonna emphasize it even more. Have some balance. There needs to be some balance in your life. If you're just doing this for three and a half, four months, the burnout is going to occur. That marathon will not be successful, okay? Um, so please think of all of that, that you can sort of do that, you know, you do a couple miles running today and then next week you do five miles and then the following week 10, what have you. That analogy is certainly um, incredibly important, even more so now than even in the past with the bar exam. I think I've spoken enough. Um, Please make sure, if you have any questions, um, I'm available. Your folks are available. I do have, I lie, I have one more thing to add. If this is not your first time, if this is your second time um, taking the bar exam, please make sure you reach out to the person at your law school. Hopefully, you've been able to recover. You've received your essays and your PTs back from the bar examiners. Um, Have somebody else take a look at it. I, I know it's hard. I know you you don't want to have that conversation with somebody, but they might see something that can help you. Think about how you studied before. If this is not your first time, you may not need to watch the 4,000 hours of videos again. It may be more important for you to do a quick review and then jump into your practice. Maybe you didn't get to practice as much as you should have. So utilize the person at your law school to help with that and utilize your coach with that. They have been trained on that as well. We have addressed this with them as well. Okay, most importantly, good luck on the bar exam. Um, I know, you know, yay, it's a fun thing. Um, It's not necessarily, um, but I know you can do it. And if I can help in any way, um, the Boston Bar Association has my contact information. And also if you don't know the person at your law school They know the folks who do academic and bar support, um, and I also do as well, so thank you.
0: Thank you, Candice. As a reminder, you can start submitting your questions through the Q&A feature, and we will get to them after Nikki and Carla speak. I just wanted to introduce Nikki and Carla again. They are both graduates of law school that graduated in the aftermath of the 08 recession. Of course, this is an entirely unique experience that you're going through, but if anyone has some commonalities to what you are experiencing right now, it would be somebody who graduated in that aftermath. So, Carla, Nikki, who wants to go first?
3: I can go first. So, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Carla Reeves, and I am a litigation associate at Goulson and Stores. And as mentioned earlier, my practice is focused on labor and employment work, and also general business litigation. And I've been at Goulston & stores for four years now. Uh, but before Goulston, I, I went to law school, obviously, and worked at a couple of different firms. So I wanna just talk to you about what my experience was like coming out of law school, and then offer a few pieces of advice as someone who um, graduated in a similar, not identical, but similar um, environment. So I entered BC law school in 2008. So I was a member of the class of 2011 as I was coming in. And at that time, you know, we were in a moment where summer programs were being canceled Uh, there were hiring freezes at many firms, Um, layoffs were happening and a lot of classes were being deferred. So my class coming in was experiencing quite a bit of panic and stress and really feeling discouraged about what, if any, opportunities might be available to us as we made the transition out of law school. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it shaped the way that we approached, uh, you know, our path through law school. And uh, for me, really, it was a signal that I needed to think about what my plan was and, you know, what alternatives um, I had available to me in terms of paths that I could take to get to where I wanted to be. And um, I spent my first summer working as a judicial intern for a federal judge. My second summer I spent at the Department of Labor working in the solicitor's office, which handles all litigation for the Department of Labor. And I pursued those two opportunities because I, I felt like they were um, you know, non-traditional paths towards getting to where I wanted to go, which was focusing on labor and employment and having a practice that included litigation. And, you know, I pursued that in a time where, you know, I was entering with a class that thought that the path to success was uh, you do OCI, you go to a big firm, and that's the way that it's supposed to go. And if for any reason you get derailed, then it's over. So a lot of us had that misconception coming in, but learning that there are plenty of opportunities and different strategies to get to where you want to be. Um, As a 3L at BC, I learned about a trial lawyers and training program that was offered by my first firm, which was Cooley Manion Jones, uh, which is now the Boston office of Hunt and Williams. Um, So I pursued that as a 3L, and after taking some extra courses at BC, I was actually able to put myself on a path to graduate in December of 2010, as opposed to coming out in 2011. And um, it was the first time that BC had offered any opportunity like that, but I decided to pursue it because I felt that uh, going after the opportunity to develop some skills early on might help distinguish me and set me up for uh, more job opportunities. Um, so I ended up working for Cooley Manion Jones as a 3L for the fall, which was my last semester of courses, and then decided to take a break to work full time as a law clerk. Uh, working specifically on a big trial that was um, at the Southern District of New York. So I actually delayed taking the bar exam. I didn't sit for February bar, although I could have, and ended up taking the bar exam with all of my, my classmates. And you know, taking that pause, even though it was not part of my plan, gave me an opportunity to first develop those skills, save up some additional money because I was concerned about, you know, what my options would look like once I was out of law school. And it gave me an opportunity to really network and get to know people. So connecting with the the Boston Bar Association, um, affinity bar groups like the Mass Black Lawyers Association, the Women's Bar Association, and really just getting exposure to what it is that attorneys were doing on a day-to-day basis. So I ended up spending about five years total at Cooley and Jones working on government investigations work and general business litigation. Um, so my first job was not exactly what it was that I thought I, I wanted to do. I had some exposure to employment work at the firm, but it was more trial and litigation focused. And I figured I'll build these skills while I can, and I will jump on every opportunity to work on employment-related trials, and then just reassess my plan when the time is right. And you know, as I saw that you know, I was gaining more experience and becoming more senior, I felt the need to transition to a place that did have more of a dedicated employment practice. Um, so I ended up making a transition to Burns and Levinson and joined their litigation group as an employment attorney and I was there for just under a year before I got an unexpected call from some of my former colleagues who had transitioned to Goulson and stores. and uh, they had a litigation opportunity focused on employment and uh, one that included uh, very many opportunities to help actually build the litigation group and establish more of my own identity and practice within employment. So I figured I should jump on it. It was a great group of people who I enjoyed working with. And although I wasn't expecting that opportunity, it was one that fit within the scope of what I wanted to do and you know i was able to pursue that because of the connections that i had made as a law student really as a 3L working with those individuals and um, you know keeping in contact with people over the course of many years although we had ventured out and started working in different places and you know i think that my path shows that yes you know we were able to navigate a very stressful situation but we did so by understanding that the path is not always linear so you might have a plan, right? And, and something like a pandemic happens and it throws you off because none of you entered law school thinking that you would be met with this situation on the back end. So what do you do now? Keep those pieces of your plan, those aspects of your plan that you can hold on to. And where there are areas where you need to pivot or make a transition or shift, be open to doing that because there's a lot of learning that can take place in doing that. And you might find a new opportunity that sets you up Uh, for exactly where you want to be. And, you know, I also think that networking is a really important part of this. I've mentioned reaching out to organizations like the BBA and taking advantage of those opportunities to connect. Um, I am a huge proponent of that because that's how you find mentors. That's how you talk to people to learn what it's like to practice and how they got to where they are. And um, I think, you know, more importantly, that's how you find sponsors. So those people who are willing to, to bat for you when you're not in the room you know those people who might say hey we have this opportunity to work on a matter or or, we have this opportunity at our firm hey Carla would be great for this let's pick up the phone and, and give her a call and see where she is or people who will reach out and see how they can be helpful to you as you navigate this process I think networking and putting yourself out there to build those meaningful relationships with people who've been there and also people who haven't uh, will really open some doors for you to uh, navigate this path I think in a, in a less stressful way. And the other piece of information I will offer is again just be open to uh, different opportunities to develop skills that come along um, as you make the transition into whatever workplace you're entering. It may not be the exact type of work that you vision envision yourself doing as you graduated or Uh, You know, it may not be the ideal work opportunity in your mind, but it doesn't mean that it can't be a step along the way uh, of the path towards getting there. So I would just encourage you to plan, but also be open to pivoting as you need to, because things will work out, especially if you use your network and continue to Uh, you know, apply all of that motivation and dedication that you've used over the course of the past few years to get you through law school towards moving along in your career.
0: Thank you so much, Carla. I'd like
5: to reintroduce Nikki. Hello everyone, my name is Nikki Maria Oliveira and Carla, that was wonderful, thank you so much for sharing that. I now wish I had gone first because that's really tough to follow, but I'll just, I want to share with you what my experience was like studying for the bar exam because I think that could be helpful. And I also want to tell you about my career path as well because I also graduated during the quote Great Recession and I'll tell you about how I ended up where I am today. So to start off with, I, as Ariana introduced me, I'm a senior associate at Nutter. I'm in their private client or trust and estates department. And I feel really grateful to be a part of this firm because this is the area of law that I really wanted to practice on. And I had hoped to practice in this while I was in law school. So I graduated in 2010 from New England School of Law, which is now New England Law Boston. And this seems really funny to me, and Marilyn can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I was the last cohort to take the bar exam solely with a pencil and paper, so it was not yet an option to take it on a computer, which just wasn't really that long ago. But yeah, I never took a law exam on a computer or a college exam on a computer, so it feels like that was sort of in the, the olden days. But so when I studied for the bar exam, I took Barbary and I attended all of the classes in person, which I know is not an option for you today, but I did every single assignment that was recommended and all of the practice exams. And for me, this is just my personal motivation. I used to listen to the song, The Climb by Miley Cyrus every single day (laughs) because that was so motivating for me. And just as Marilyn said, and I think Candace as well, Studying for the bar exam is like a marathon, and that song reminded me of that. And I think with the pandemic, and now with your study session being really stretched out, it's kind of like an ultra marathon, like 50 miles instead. So if you've never heard that song, I know it's kind of old now, but I recommend it. So I, I treated my bar exam studying like it was my full-time job. So as Candace said, it was getting up in the morning, studying it until night, and then letting myself do something for fun Sunday evenings every week, and I was, of course, terrified on the day of the bar exam, but I felt like I had studied so much that there was nothing else that I could have done to study more, so I just encourage you that the best that you can to try to use your time to also study as much as you can and as diligently as you can, but also to take care of yourself and try to, you know, also maintain your health, your mental health as well during this time, So I used the same strategy. So in 2010, I took the Mass bar exam, but then in 2015, I took the Florida bar exam. And again, I also took Barbary. I stuck to the study schedule, watched all the videos, did the assignments. But at that time I was working full time. So it was a little bit different because I would leave my office every day at about five o'clock, go home and study, and then also study on the weekend. So as you can imagine, I didn't really have much of a life but I just studied as much as possible and it worked out again. So I would just say, if you can just try to stay focused and even though it might seem a little bit difficult at the time, it's temporary and it will be worthwhile if you're able to stick to that schedule. Okay, so <clears throat> with the pandemic right now, I know, how, I know how difficult it is for you. So Candice gave some really great advice on what a good schedule might be like and with the extended time, it might not be necessary to study, six or seven days a week, and maybe reducing the study schedule could be more beneficial for you. So besides the bar exam, when I graduated in 2010, the job market was really bleak. And as Carla said, there were hiring freezes throughout the state. I remember I was on the Law Review at my um, law school and the editor of the Law Review didn't have a job. So I think back to that and how bleak it actually really was. So there were no clerkships or opportunities. So instead of finding a job, which I was unable to do, I actually went to the graduate tax program at BU Law and I got my LM in taxation. The reason I did this is because during law school, I knew that I wanted to focus on estate planning. So getting my LM in tax, I was able to focus on learning more about estate planning and tax planning. So then when I graduated, I did it full time for one year when I graduated, I restarted my job search journey. And unfortunately, so it was now 2011, which is I think when Carla started hers as well. It was still really bleak. So like the bar exam, I treated my job search just like it was my full-time job. And again, I feel like I'm too young to be saying this, but I'm dating myself that I kept a really detailed three ring binder of every single position that I applied to. I used to just print everything out print out my cover letters, print out all the job descriptions, and then I kept this tickler system for when I should follow up to make sure that they got my application, what their time frame was for hiring or interviewing, and then I would keep reaching out to people. And it was just really important for me to stay persistent, to know that I was doing the best that I could to try to find a job. So this detailed log, I wish I had it with me because it was a two-inch binder because I applied (laughs) to about 250 jobs or something at the time. And I probably went on about 50 interviews. And I kept reminding myself, one of the most difficult things at this time was going on an interview and feeling like it was such a perfect fit and that the firm or the company was great and the people were great, but then getting the call that they decided to go with another candidate. So for me, it was just really important to try to stay positive and try to remember, and this I will say to you, that every rejection in your career path hopefully is just leading you to the position that's right for you, which is what turned out for me. Um, so I'm sure you're probably wondering, how did I find these positions that I applied to? How did I fill this binder up? So I did take advantage of all the job listings through my law school, and because I went and got my LLM, I had New England School of Law and BU, and I used to just comb through all of them and apply to anything that seemed related to what I wanted to do. And eventually I ended up getting, I'm not sure I understand. Sorry about that. I ended up getting my first job, which was a fellowship from a small elder law firm. And the intent was that it would be for one year that I would be a practicing attorney and they would provide me with extensive mentoring and guidance and experience. So I I got this job through the law school website. And at the end of the first year, they decided to keep me on as an associate, which which was really helpful. But the, the first job that I landed was not specifically estate planning. So this firm focused on elder law and special needs planning, mass health applications, which I found interesting, but wasn't ultimately what I wanted to do. So I stayed there for about two years. And then during my job search, which lasted about seven months, unfortunately, but I stayed strong. I think as Carla also mentioned, something that was really important was to network. And I think that this term gets thrown around a lot. So I always say nowadays, now that I have learned a little bit more about networking, is that it's really important to try your best to network meaningfully. So what I mean by this is that everyone, everyone's time is just so valuable and it's so precious. So it's, it's really important to make sure that when you're networking, that you're actually meeting people and the whole quant quality over quantity is really important to make sure if you're going to a big networking event, that you're actually having conversations with people, getting to know them and then following up with them and not just talking to about 25 people and not really figuring out anything that they do or talking to them ever again. So I would just say, with this so-called meaningful networking, I would try to find events to go to that were related to my actual area of the law, trust and estates, and I would try to find three to five people to have an actual conversation with to get their business card, to follow up with them, and then to ask them if they would do a so-called informational interview And what that was, I'm not sure if people still do this, but you would contact them and say, can I meet you for 15 minutes over a cup of coffee? I promise it won't be longer than 15 minutes and I just wanna hear about your career path. And that was a really great way to build a relationship with someone. And so that they would also know that you're job searching. So if anything came up that they might reach out to you and say, hey, Nikki, I saw this posting. I think you should apply to it. Which leads me further into, my discussion about my career. So as I said, I started out at this elder law firm and for two years I stayed there. And then after that, I found a position at a boutique trust and estates firm where I stayed for about six years and really settled into practicing. And fortunately for me, they really focused on the ultra high net worth planning, which was really interesting. But after about six years there, even though I was comfortable and I liked the firm, through my networking, I received a call from a friend who was a partner at Nutter. And she was an equity partner. And she was also in the LM program with me. And she just reached out and said, Nikki, you know, we are hiring an associate. I'm not sure if this is something you're interested in, but wondering if you would like to apply. And I think at that time, I really realized that these relationships that I have been building and this networking really became so important. So on my job search at the time, it doesn't seem like these conversations that you have and the coffee that you get is going to mean a lot, but in the long run it it really could change your life. So I ended up taking the position at Nutter and it really was through all this networking that this position came up and this specific person, we were classmates and we became friends because we had this shared commonality of being dog lovers and vegetarians and we used to get lunch together, so she reached out to me thinking I would be such a good fit, but if I hadn't taken the time to get to know her during during school, this never this never really would have happened. So I have been talking a lot, but I just wanna leave you with some positive that everyone who goes to law school, you're such great people, you're very, very smart. Studying for the bar exam is definitely not easy, but you're all capable of it. And through my networking, something that a very wise attorney said to me that I always think about is that, We should always treat everyone we meet like we're gonna know them for 100 years because the world is really small and you never know when your path is gonna cross again with someone. So it's just really important to uphold the respect and kindness for other people. And I wish you all the best of luck with the bar exam and your job search.
0: Thank you so much, Nikki. I just want to take a minute now to talk to you about the two programs that are part of our 2020 Graduate Mentoring Program. There is the Bar Coaching, where you would be paired with a coach who will help you plan your study schedule, uh, plan how to attack the bar exam itself, help with managing your mental health and your overall health, and to really keep you on track for this marathon. Then there is the Career Transition Coaching, now you can take place to, or take part in both. You're not limited to one or the other. You can absolutely do both where there will be a mentor for you to, on how to uh, enter the, the job field because you will get through this. You will take this exam and we will look forward to welcoming you into the profession. So this part would be about preparing your resume. How do you prepare for an interview? What does meaningful networking mean and how do you do it? People like Carla and Nikki will be there to help mentor you through that transition. There will also be supplemental programming for both programs or both styles of coaching. So there will be programs on how to write essays. There will be programs on how to network. and But you'll have that extra support through your coach for both sides of the program. So after we want you to focus now on preparing for the bar, obviously, but if you want to sign up for both, you will get matched with a mentor that wants to do both types of mentoring. So you'll just continue on that spectrum with your same mentor uh, from the bar exam to the career transition coaching. So I'm going to open it up now to questions uh, for our panelists. I know there's one pending in the chat but feel free, we have experts on this panel. We have Carla and Nikki who have lived a somewhat similar experience to you. Um, We have Barbara, who's an expert and we are so grateful to them. Thank you for their time and take it away. Sorry, Marilyn, did you see this question in the chat? I think that would be most suited to you. Oh, you're on
1: mute. I just want to start, I I was just reading that question. I just want to start by reminding people that when you apply for, when you file your application, you're filing an application for admission to the bar, not an application for a bar exam seat. And I know the concern in this question is, it's, will I get a partial refund if you go to this remote exam that's not the same as the UBE? When you file your application, you're filing an application for admission to the bar. Whichever exam we administer will be an exam that will bring, it offers a path to admission to the bar. So there's no um, alternate fee for a different exam because it's not really the exam that you're paying for. And as a matter of fact, as an aside, I will tell you that none of the fees that you pay come to the Board of Bar Examiners or to the court. All of those fees go to the Commonwealth's general fund That pays for things like your roadways and things like that. So um, they are a fee for admission. Um, As far as as refunds for any other reason, um, the clerks, uh, when you file your admission, uh, application for admission to the bar in Massachusetts, it's a civil case, it's a docketed case. Um, We're the only state that does it like this. So what happens is you file your application with the clerk's office, they docket it, they send it to the Board of Bar Examiners. We're kind of the discovery stage of that case where we do all of the um, looking at your qualifications and um, doing background investigations and send it back. So, given that it's a civil case and a civil filing fee, the clerk's office is not allowed to, not permitted to give refunds to anyone. Um, If for some reason we, um, and I know this question has come up and you may wanna pose it directly to the clerk's office, if we switch to an alternate bar exam and you feel uncomfortable taking that bar exam, you can always put a request in to the court to ask that that fee be forwarded to the February UBE. So that you can take the UBE in February, that would be certainly up to the court to decide whether that's possible. Um, but that is a request you can make. But in general, there are no refunds um, when you are filing a civil case asking for admission to the Massachusetts Bar.
0: Thank you, Marilyn. So I'm just gonna leave us open for a few minutes. If we don't get any further questions, then we'll end early and start our Friday, but uh, I'll just leave us open for a little bit so questions can come through. Not seeing any. I will just remind you that this uh, webinar will be available through Learn Online on the BBA website. If you have uh, any other questions, you can let myself or Doug Newton at the BBA know. We have contact with all the panelists and would be happy to forward along your questions or seek answers ourselves. And I very much appreciate your participation. Thank you again to all of our panelists. You're so appreciated. You're
2: welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you.